You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, a political podcast where we recognize that everything is not at all fine and discuss what we can do about it. I'm Carissa. And I'm Sydney. Civil disobedience is the intentional breaking of an unjust law or set of laws as a political act to draw attention to that injustice. Henry David Thoreau was a famous American literary and philosophical figure and the pioneer of the term civil disobedience. He did not think that people should sit by passively during times of injustice, whether or not their views were in the minority. For example, slavery, segregation, and women having no right to vote were all once the accepted law of the land. And today, in the midst of the climate crisis, and with no real concerted effort to address it by the world's most powerful governments, we could say that ecocide is the unjust corporate and state-sanctioned law of the land. Because of this, we are seeing a huge rise in civil disobedience, as well as disruptive action within the climate movement. And with that, we would like to introduce to the show Tina Barrows, who is a climate activist who has done work with Extinction Rebellion and Declare Emergency. Welcome to the show, Tina. Welcome, Thank Tina. You. <laughs> okay, I'm an activist. Right. <laughs> yeah, throwing these right labels on. at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for having so, me. It's a pleasure. We've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. Yeah. Do you want to tell us kind of how you became an activist? Yeah, because I think the main thing we need to start with is to debunk the myth of what an activist is. Okay. okay. Because, um, so... Like, going back to when I was little, I mean, I guess not just me, every one of us should have been Greta Thunberg, like, 20, 30, 40, however many years ago, but we weren't. And so um, I've been, ever from since when I was little, I've just known humans were doing bad things to the planet. And I was, like, wanting to play, like, hey, let's clean up the lake and pick up trash with the other kids. And that didn't go down very well. They were like, no, let's ring doorbells and run away. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and so that has been kind of the story of activism for me, that people are like, yeah, oh, I have a facial that day. I can't. Or that it's, it's not popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also that it's hard to find people to come play to yeah. do the activism stuff. And I think the common misperception is, which is what I had, that activists are these special people. They're these intellectuals that are super smart and super brave and mm-hmm. just they're this set apart breed of people that are amazing. And so I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not that. So it's like, they do that, that's great. And let's hope they get it done. And over time, I've just seen over and over that things aren't getting done. And so to me, it's a really bad sign of the times we live in where people like me are the ones that are, oh, you're an activist, that's so great. And there was one um, young girl from Ireland, she was on a Zoom call and she was like, I get so annoyed people telling me, oh, we need more people like you doing this. And she's like, you are the person just like me. Every second one of you is just like me. So I've heard that before, like, oh, like, oh, it's so amazing that you're doing that. Like, it's a a cute hobby or something. mm -hmm. It's like, no, like, I really don't want your, like, congratulations. I just want you to join me. Yeah. Good for you that you're doing the activism. It's like, (laughs) yeah. And nobody does it without, like, when you do your actions, like, you're probably scared shitless like anybody would be, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, you know, like any, yeah, anybody doing that is going to have to overcome those yeah. those challenges you know so yeah it's not for it's fun not like a magical uh like quality that you have it's like mm-hmm. you're actually you're putting yourself out there when it's hard yeah it's like an expression of the anger and frustration you feel I mean, it's that but it's an act of bravery to put on your oh, certainly. big girl panties and do it's like <laughs> yeah. um looking facts in the eye because it's like i mean yes you know climate change and all of that is a thing but to actually look and be like, what does that mean? What does that mean to me? What's actually happening right now? Me, me, me not just where I can see it, but in other parts of the world. And that's super scary. So when I finally turned to activism, <laughs> I quit my full-time pensionable job. I was like, 
to hell with this. You know, I do this, I'm tired, I don't have the energy to do anything else. And I honestly, at that time, believed I might not be alive to pensioning age because things might get so bad. And there's part of me that's still very much afraid that that might happen. On the other hand, looking at Vancouver's local government, I'm somewhat heartened that maybe it won't, but anyways, that's jumping ahead. Um, so yeah, I quit that job. And that was right around the time when Extinction Rebellion started to gain traction. And what I saw was that it seemed like a very straightforward approach and also something that sounded like, okay, if we all rally behind this, we might fix this once and for all. Because the approach that Extinction Rebellion has is based on studying prior civil disobedience models, which I think we're going to touch on, right? And it's like ordinary people just get in the street, risk your liberty, get arrested, and do that with so many people that the jails are full, that the system is overwhelmed, and the government has to concede and make changes. So that sounded pretty straightforward. And I was like, okay, what can I do? And yeah, it took me a while to find the people who did it in Portland. Because again, I saw, oh, Extinction Rebellion, that's it, I want to get involved. And it's like, where's my local group in Portland, Vancouver, nothing. And again, I was like, why isn't somebody doing this? And, and then you're like, crap, I guess I have to do this. <laughs> I guess I'm the one. No one, okay. Yeah, that kind of failed. I, I kind of thought, like, I'll be the one who starts Vancouver, Extinction Rebellion. Mm, I tried, didn't happen. Not, not too many. Um, but yeah, so with Extinction Rebellion, I started off being part of the Red Rebel Brigade, which are people dressed all in red with white painted faces and they're silent and they just represent the earth blood, the lifeblood that we share with the earth and with all other human beings. And so they just emote like grief, compassion, all those things. And they are super good if they are involved in actions where um, there might be conflict, there might be aggression, because those people just move super slow, super graceful, with a lot of compassion and love. And so it diffuses that. Um, They're a peaceful presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and cool. yeah, so I found that very rewarding because with most actions, you always get people who don't like what you do. They get angry. I think that's what deters many people from activism. Yeah. I think that that's what deters even more people from nonviolent civil disobedience. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so that was the Red Rebel Brigade. That was awesome. And then people were asking me, hey, will you sit on this committee or will you do that or that? And I'm like, no, somebody better than me needs to do that. And there was nobody. So, well, jobs didn't get done as well as they could have because I was asked to do it, and oh. I, I clearly wasn't the person to do it. Um, so, so the point of civil disobedience, right, is to bring attention to a cause that isn't already getting as much attention as it should, right? Like, mm -hmm. like the suffrage through disruption, though. So, like, you're 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 getting atten attention, but you're also like disrupting a, the system in such a way that. Yeah, all factions have to address it. I mean, that, that's the goal. If enough people Correct. were yeah. to do it, like you said, like filling the jails or whatever, or if you do something that's uh, very flashy, very catchy, gets the media attention, which the media isn't usually covering, covering climate change. So right. I think that's the goal with mm. like a lot of these people. Like what's, what's the most wild thing that's going <laughs> to get yeah. people's attention or get people talking about it um, and get the media to actually cover it? Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's those two parts to it. One is just getting the word out that yeah. it is a problem. Yeah. And Extinction Rebellion in particular has achieved that, I think, to the point where it's a household name. If you ask people, hey, do you know about Extinction Rebellion? They'll either say, yeah, they're great, or yeah, they're a bunch of idiots, I hate them. Yeah. But people know what it is, whether yeah. they agree or not. And it also has served the purpose of 
getting governments to acknowledge that there's a problem. So many governments have declared climate emergencies and left it at that. <laughs> so at this point, I think worldwide governments know there's a problem, and so we need to enforce action on that. Yeah, and there could be like raising awareness generally for climate change, but also like targeted act targeted actions that are like like blockading Joe Manchin's coal plant because yeah, he yeah. won't pass mm -hmm. climate legislation or like things like that. Um, so there's just there's all kinds of civil disobedience that that people can do, and then also there's like so civil disobedience is like you're getting arrested, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the difference yeah. between that and then, like, disruptive action would be, like, um, you know, going into a a big meeting and having a banner and disrupting the whole thing or... Um, I think it's kind of a seamless transition because if you go into this meeting with your banner and then you're asked to leave and you say no, then you have civil disobedience. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. security is going to come for you or maybe yeah. the cops. Mm -hmm. And so Extinction Rebellion does that type of stuff too as well right yeah and like declare mm -hmm. emergency as well yeah declare emergency is kind of like an offspring there's a couple of groups that have kind of they're called the a22 coalition something i think it's a22 because they started on april 2022 something yeah. um okay anyway. that was like earth day a22 Usually Earth Day's around then. Anyway, Maybe. I think that's not, cool. not important. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so there's like a group in Canada that's called Save Old Growth. There's a group in Germany and in Italy. They're called Last Generation, either in German or Italian. So Letzte Generation or uh, my Italian is bad. I don't know. Um, and so Stop Oil? Yeah, just UK, Stop right? Oil. Yeah. And UK had also Insulate Britain. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is taking the big ask that Extinction Rebellion had, like, hey, there's a climate emergency, fix it, to where, okay, here's the small portion. It's very achievable. Mm -hmm. We won't stop our civil disobedience until you do this. So with Insulate Britain, that was very straightforward. You will insulate all government housing to, you know, increase people's safety, reduce their bills, and also decrease greenhouse gas emissions. And so what we have here in the States is declare emergency. And their main um, ask is that the president declare a climate emergency. Because I believe America as a country does not have one yet, right? Correct. No. I mean, we yeah. have local ones, like Portland. Yeah, like I think Washington State, Jay Inslee declared a climate emergency. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's others. Yeah, I know the city yeah. of Portland did. And, and we stopped there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, like, we're just going to say it's an yeah. emergency. And then, yeah, okay, okay that's easy it. enough. Yeah. Can I tell a story with that? Because, <laughs> yeah, no, please. Yeah. We're, because that was, stories. you were like, tell about your artwork. I was yeah. like, yes. Yeah, perfect. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, City of Portland has declared a climate emergency and then done nothing. And so people have like delivered petitions and written letters and nothing. And so with Extinction Rebellion, we had like taken the role model of the UK and we bought a boat and we painted it pink and did the XR lettering. It said, act now on one side and no safe harbor on the other side. And we're like, hey, you know, there's a big problem. Look at this boat. And we used that boat like we had it modified so people could lock on and we like blocked an on-ramp to one of the bridges in Portland with it, like had it beautifully orchestrated, like super efficient because we're like, oh my God, the cops are gonna come so quick and arrest us. Nobody came. We sat there locked onto our boat and nothing. <laughs> and, and at some point, police shows up and they're like, well, how long are you gonna be here? And we're like, oh, I don't know, a couple of hours. And, and they left again. So- And you're blocking traffic at this point or we, no? We're blocking an on-ramp to Morrison Bridge, okay. one of the bridges. <laughs> That's a really busy bridge, yeah. right? Yeah. And we had called 911 dispatch to say, hey, you know, this is being blocked. So if there's ambulances, please don't route them this way to kind of minimize, yeah. like, real danger to anyone. And we ended up, for that first action, leaving because that was right around the time of where the George Floyd protests were still going. So 
At some point, Antifa showed up to protect us because there was rumors that some right-wing people were going to come up to beat us. And we're like, hey, this is nonviolent civil disobedience. You're very sweet to be here to protect us, but we can't have that. You know, we are so strictly adhering to nonviolence. So we're like, okay, we're going to wrap up and leave because we will not be the cause of a street battle here. So that was the beginning of the pink boat. So we did it again and again. Nothing happened. And in the meantime, I had this big pink boat at my house. (laughs) And and the neighbors were kind of, I mean, they know what I'm like. So they were pretty cool with it. But I was like... (laughs) I hadn't banked on like owning a pink boat forever, so we changed tack and we're like, well, you know, Portland has this declaration of emergency, nothing has happened, none of the petitions have worked. We're like, let's turn this boat into a petition. So we wrote a letter to Portland City Council onto the boat and then we went to farmers markets with Sharpies and we're like, hey, do you want to sign our petition? It's right there. (laughs) We're going to deliver this to the city council, we're going to give it to them. People were lining up to sign that boat. So that was really oh, cool. Oh, so that wasn't, that just developed over, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it that's did. so cool. But that's another example where art draws people in. You know, if you stand there with a clipboard and a petition, people will run from you, right? Yeah, they just... And yeah. we had a boat. <laughs> Everybody wanted to. <laughs> and so that was our final act with the boat. We delivered it to the city council during a council meeting session. I got to zoom in and tell them we were doing it as we were doing it and why. Oh my gosh, and you I were got the to, one? Yeah, because I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on a green card, so I'm like on the fence for getting arrested because the possible consequence might be deportation. So I'm like, yeah, yeah let me just swing the paintbrush. That's legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, yeah, which is a cowardly act on my part because, you know, it's bad enough, but yet. So anyways, so if anybody's planning on using large objects for civil disobedience, the key is to disable the object so you can't move it. So we took off the trailer hitch and we popped the tires and somebody came to ask when we were leaving. We're like, no, sorry, we can't move this. <laughs> this is stuck. Here. Yeah. And so ODOT was there. Was it ODOT, PBOT, whatever they're called. They were there in no time with the trailer and <laughs> took it. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. So, I didn't know you were involved in that action. That's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So there's like many ways you can support civil disobedience or disruptive action. Like, you don't Without getting arrested. Yeah. So you need somebody to buy a boat, to have money. You need somebody who has time to make a boat. Like, I've made coffins. I've made the big snail. I've I've made some stuff, which is like, yeah, I can do that. I have some talent. Great. Um, I'd say a lot of talent. (laughs) I've seen some of your your props in there. But, um, yeah, but you can be that. If you want to be supportive, otherwise, um, the people who actually go to jail, they need support. They need people to feed their cats. They need people to, you know, pick them up when they're getting out of jail. They need people who call the jails, just, you know, let, let it be known that there's people on the outside who care. And, yeah. And then also, the behind the scenes organizing takes quite a lot of work. Yeah, I read for, like, every one person getting arrested, it's, like, almost, like, ten people mm-hmm. supporting that yeah. action. It's a lot easier to get the ten than the one, though. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, that a lot of that has to, you know, you have to know what you're getting into, what jail mm-hmm. you're going to. I mean, yeah, like, that is a whole another level of bravery that mm-hmm. I can't say I have done. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll never do it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think the time calls calls for that kind of action, mm-hmm. though. So. Yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of considerations, you know, when you're thinking that. I mean, you are a lot of, and I, I don't know that I can quote all the rules, but a lot of civil disobedience is just judged as a misdemeanor. 
versus a felony. But either way, you're going to have a criminal record of sorts. Right. And so for a lot of young people who are like, you know, they need to have a job maybe at some point. And that's going to be a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see a lot of retired folks who are like, wow, this is my doing. I have lived my life, you know, in all its glory and been ignorant of what I was causing. And now I have children, grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And also, once you're retired, you don't have that pressure that you have to get a job again. So you're a lot more easily arrestable. Um, And then also, it's much easier for white peeps to be arrested. Obviously, Um, yeah. Yeah. So with Declare Emergency, I've met one person of color, like one gentleman who was a Muslim, and one indigenous man. And they have been treated reasonably well in jail. With the Muslim guy, they took away his prayer cap while he was in jail, but that that was the worst they did to him. Like, there wasn't abuse or anything. But then this being the D.C. police, I think they're under a lot of scrutiny. Exactly. I was going to say, with Declare Emergency, Mm -hmm. they're all in D.C., and so they're all very aware. And and all the organizers have been Mm -hmm. arrested plenty of times. They know exactly, like, how long you're going to be booked for. Like, they, it's a very... Mm. Um, routine situation whereas like I don't know if you're doing this in fucking Alabama or something or like <laughs> our Kansas Kansas. <laughs> yeah, like, or I mean fuck our jail is a whole in- right so yeah yeah or any um, other big city that's just not as mm. yeah I think even watched. the people who went yeah. to Mansion's coal plant a friend of mine went and got herself West arrested Virginia. there yeah right. okay. and she said that there was it was a lot more menacing there that the in a way that there was like like, the cops were more brutal or like not so much the jail itself the jail itself a little but also the way that you know yeah i'm not coming up with very good examples oh you're fine yeah yeah (laughs) but just that it wasn't quite yeah, it wasn't a walk in the park. Like. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not. So there's a couple of folks I have met that I have worked with who are right now in jail as we speak. There's one friend of mine, his name is Donald Zepeda. He is just a very inspiring young man. He had, I'd met him first at an XR action in Portland, and he had been living in Seattle at the time. So a couple of folks from XR Seattle had come down so we could kind of compare notes, do an action together, see how it went. And so I just met him there. And then his name popped up every once in a while. And then I heard he had moved to Florida, one of the swing states. Was Florida a swing state? Anyway, one of the swing states (laughs) during like Biden's election to vote so he'd be able to vote there. He packed up and moved across the country to just add his vote to another state. And I was like, wow, you are pretty (laughs) badass. And so this guy has been kind of pilgrimaging across Florida with this other fella. They had this action called Walk with Nick. And Nick had just this mission. He was going to walk across Florida to just raise awareness about the climate emergency and try to talk to kids in school that did not go down well. Um, so they get got arrested multiple times. They went into churches and spoke up, got people really, really angry for being disrespectful and people saying, well, you know, I may have been on your side before, but now I'm just angry at you. And so, yeah, the tactics, those are the tactics of civil disobedience. It's like to create that stir and to raise awareness, it's not necessarily to win allies, um, which is hard to digest, I think. Well, which is maybe where we can segue into the history a little bit, because Mm. civil disobedience, like in the time that it's happened, uh, you know, it, it wasn't popular, like MLK wasn't a popular guy. Yeah, none of them Um, were. None of that type of disruptive behavior was popular, but we look back on it and fawn over it now um 
you know, so... Well, could we... So, as somebody who's a little bit of a civil disobedience skeptic, not that I... I definitely agree that this time 100% calls for extreme action. But I think what you said, um, Tina just now sat with me a little bit, that the idea is not to... that you're, We're not trying to get allies when we're doing this, right? It's just to bring attention and to disrupt. Mm-hmm. But and to go- overwhelm the system, ideally. Okay. So without... It overwhelming the system is the idea that you continue until you do that. Because right now we're not overwhelming the system. We're not overwhelming jails. We don't have enough yeah, people. Sadly. So is the goal then to create allies so that we overwhelm the system? But if we're actively disrupting in a way like what you described, blocking a bridge, like to me that's a little bit like inconveniencing people who don't really have power. Maybe, mm. you know, there's snowball effects down the line if somebody's late for this. There's, you know, financial loss. There's maybe you know, medical hardships, like mm-hmm. you said, things like that, that I'm really sympathetic to. And I feel like as a society, especially now, you know, a hundred years ago when, you know, the suffragettes were doing their thing or whatever, like, I think life is even harder now in a lot of ways for a lot of people. People are really living on the edge in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so if we're not creating allies, if we're okay with, I guess that's what I'm struggling with a little bit is like, I yeah. feel like we should be, we need allies. Mm-hmm. And if the action actively turns people off, you know, I think people know climate is an issue for the most part. Like we talked about the stats last week, I think. But I, I about fifty percent. Yeah, like I want <laughs> allies. Not. Like if we're gonna overwhelm mm. the system with our disobedience, we need people that agree. And so I feel like allyship should be first, and then we can mm. have enough. You know, but I, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of my struggle. Well, that's I, where we're like. It, that's why it kind of depends on the action. There's some that yeah, have like definitely. You know, people have responded to like you know badly over others like you know blocking the roads um the whole if we want to get into that the you know that was a just stop oil uh throwing the tomato soup at the van Mm. gogh and then mashed painting or whatever (laughs) and then mashed potatoes um so to me that's where there's a difference like blocking the road i feel like creates ill will toward you and your cause whereas a, a we can talk about like the painting in particular, but like blocking, you know, the kayaks, blocking the oil ships, mm. you know, in the Willamette or blocking you know, Joe Manchin's coal plant or kayaking out to his freaking houseboat to tell him he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Like all that <laughs> seems like valuable, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it brings attention and arguably like those things bring more attention than like making somebody late for a few hours or disrupting. Go ahead. Mm. Yeah. So I'm with, first of all, I'm with you. I have those same gut feelings, like sitting in the road, having people yell at me, my child is waiting for me at school and they don't know why I'm not there. It, it breaks my heart. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You have no idea how sorry I am. Yeah. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I stepped away a step because my first round of actions with the declare with declare emergency, I was their police liaison. So I was there as my friends were sitting in the road, as people were yelling at us, trying to explain, trying to apologize. It's super tough. I don't think anyone likes it. Yeah. And it yeah. I, f- I feel you. I'm like, yeah. you know, what? Like, I think we can create the attention mm. and afflict the comfortable yeah. without widespread. But here's the, one, here's the one thing, if, yeah. um, or two things. One thing is um, doing all those targeted actions, like blocking mansions, coal plant, or, yeah. you know, blocking the Willamette so all tankers can't get through. That's great, but that's kind of, if you have like lots of little wounds and you're just putting a bandaid here and here and here and yeah. here. And I think personally, I'd prefer that too. But we're at this point, and I think that's what this will boil down to, where it's such a bad emergency to where we have to throw everything at it that we have, imperfect as it may be. And... Um, and this is where it gets really hard. You know, we're face to face with the person who, well, hopefully not, doesn't need to get the pregnant wife to the hospital because and anyone I know who does the roadblocks makes provisions for that, that there's ways to let medical emergencies through. But anything short of that, yes, we're seriously inconveni- inconveniencing people. 
and that can be planned a little bit as to where you're doing your roadblocks that you're not blocking in like a low-income neighborhood versus a ritzier neighborhood um but it's really to where you're looking at the big picture it's like what's what is this going to be like in five years time in 10 years time you know do we really believe that in five years time half of us may not even have a job because our society has collapsed to the point where you know it can't sustain itself anymore because agriculture has collapsed that there's no food for everyone and those are this is the outlook that those people operate on okay and so yeah it's horrible to do i totally get it i'd much rather not be doing it <laughs> and everybody much rather wouldn't be doing it so i think the solution is for more people to step up to to where it actually counts for more so we can stop doing yeah. it <laughs> um, yeah because if you could actually shut down dc for a day and force the Biden administration to declare a climate emergency as like that group is calling for, you know what I mean? Like we <laughs> one and done, we could just do it, you know, but mm. it's, we have to build momentum and constantly yeah. get people. And so, yeah, I, so, I do get the conflicting, like you, you want to get allies, but you also like the, the point is the disruption, um, at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's like that last ditch effort. It's it's like all we got left because we've tried yeah. the more civil ways for a long time. And we are at the point of where we're on the verge or just over the edge of collapse. So, but yeah, I don't like it. Like, I don't want to, like, I've, as a climate scientist, right? I'm like, okay, get out. Like, I'm even just like, okay, let's, I get it. I'm doing everything I can. Like, and it's still a... Um, a struggle, but then at the same time, like looking at history, right? Like the suffragettes got increasingly more violent in their actions. Um, you know, clearly the same thing for civil rights, like, yeah, to be effective. But like the suffragettes had to get the rich women on their side, right? And mm -hmm. that's how they were able to get what they wanted. So, how do we get? I feel like we need allies somehow, and I just don't know how all this, like, we have to do everything we can, but I. I also don't want to turn people off and I'd rather attract, you know, bees with honey than with, you know. Well, so we could talk about forms of civil disobedience that aren't road blocking that yeah. are really fucking well, cool. I, mean, like, I got a couple let's things do it. listed here. Get <laughs> like, me up. Well, like scientist rebellion is an offshoot of extinction rebellion. Um, that It's scientists um, doing civil disobedience around the world. So I have a couple things here so on april 6th of this year over a thousand scientists in 26 countries risked arrest arrest in uh many different actions one of them being handcuffing themselves to jp morgan chase bank who are the biggest funders of fossil fuel projects in the world i'm here because scientists are not being listened to i'm willing to take a risk for this gorgeous planet for my sons and we've been trying to warn you guys for so many decades that we're heading towards a fucking catastrophe. And we've been being ignored. The scientists of the world have been being ignored. And it's gotta stop. We're gonna lose everything. And we're not joking. We're not lying. We're not exaggerating. This is so bad, everyone, um, that we're willing to take this risk. And more and more scientists and more and more people are gonna start joining us. This is for all of the kids of the world, all the young people, all of the future people. This is so much bigger than any of us. And we are tired of being ignored. We've tried being unbiased. We've tried being silent. We have tried the policy game. We have tried celebrities. We have tried everything. So that's a kind of action that gets a lot of media attention. It was concerted, you know, a, a worldwide thing, th a thousand scientists. So that's like kind of a big thing that I think could, um, yeah, if, if, if we have enough actions like this, just like constantly disrupting things here and there, um, I think that we could like force the hands of government. Um, and then another one that Scientist Rebellion did recently uh, was handcuffing themselves to the entrance of 17 private jet airports around the world. And then they were calling for a specific uh, policy, which was a ban on all private jet travel, which is like 
that's a great one because yeah. only rich people travel in private jets. Exactly. Like it's not going <laughs> to, you know, that and, and that would have a huge impact on reducing emissions. And it's a very targeted demand and the action itself is like related to the demand. So I, I really like um, that type of stuff. Definitely. Um, does anybody have, I, I have a couple other things, but I yeah, we can talk about the soup thing. Um, yeah. They, I don't know what group it was that did that. Do that was know? just stop oil. I just think. Stop oil. in London through a can of soup or a couple cans of soup at a painting that in, is encased in glass, like very protected um, and got a lot of international attention and then got criticized because it was a young woman and easy to criticize. Um, and she mentioned like this obedience gave us the right to vote. And I don't think a lot of people caught the fact that what she did and where she did it in London um, harkens back to the Women's Social and Political Union, a.k.a. the suffragettes in London. And they did that with art in like between like 1912 and 1915. Um, but they didn't just throw soup on a protected piece of art. They destroyed the freaking art. Like <laughs> they it, so. Wow, I didn't know that connection at all. Yeah. So it's happened historically. And I, I get so to me, the idea that you attract attention should be the goal, because I think if you look at history and how we've gotten big things accomplished, you change thought and then policy follows thought. So I think that's why probably I've settled into the role I have in life is like trying to change thought however I can. And so I think that's my clearly all these things fit together and not everybody agreed on a method and everybody just did everything they freaking could to make the change they knew was necessary for survival and what they needed. And so I think I'm just having a hard time squaring all this, but it's fit together somehow historically a bunch of times and worked. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, people criticize, oh, the soup, whatever, but guess what? It was really cheap. It cost them, what's a can of soup? You know, four for $5 or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, with inflation a little more, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> a couple cans of soup. So the, you know, the return on investment was fantastic because yeah. big, to buy commercials or whatever is, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, it also afflicted the art world. And that's a rich man's game. And so I think all of those things are, I, I don't know, people criticized it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was you just funny of- that it was even so controversial because, like, the art itself was not damaged. And it's like, yeah. you know, like, if we, you know, keep going the way that we're going, yeah, all this art's burning down, too, and ain't nobody going to be here to appreciate it. So, like, exactly. what are you guys, you know, it's like, people like that, it's like, they weren't on your side in the first place and they're like, oh, well, I would have been on your side, but I didn't like that tomato soup (laughs) incident. And it's like, no, you actually were a pearl clutcher from the beginning. So no, yeah, you're not going to. Yeah. Like they got attention. My only, and this goes to something we do on the podcast too, right? Where we try to bring something to the forefront and then always have an action. Hmm. So people, this is something you can act on right now. So I think a lot of times too, if you're doing an an action and there isn't a specific ask, Hmm. like if it's, when you guys did the snail thing, right? It was like contact city council telling you support the climate action framework. Well, that right? no, that was um, that was a solidarity solidarity action with um, a bunch of actions across the country. Okay, that was just calling on Biden to declare a climate emergency. So I think it was like we had pamphlets yeah. pamphlets with like a nice. okay, literally here's website to, to Biden. Yes. Scan this code. Call the president. Yes. It's like, you yeah. can actually you can call this. the president. Okay, you can email the president. I've exactly. actually done that. I was like, yeah, look, I'm really either pissed or terrified or whatever yeah. about what's going on and somebody reads those i mean i'm pretty sure the president yeah. himself doesn't no. read it yeah <laughs> i guess it was around the same time we were talking about the climate action framework and they were getting ready to vote on it yeah but, it was yeah and if you actually call your representative that's even mm-hmm. i don't know if you can actually call the president yeah. that's mm-hmm. more effective than writing or emailing because uh-huh. somebody has to actually clear the voicemail yeah and it actually gets so an email they can just send you a canned response but if you actually want to annoy them calling is like Mm. chef's kiss annoy them yeah okay (laughs) so i think that's an action that i was like yes i get this people not everybody understood that's fine but the goal is to just bring it up into Mm. you know discourse and for very very inexpensive they were able to do that so that's one such example i don't know yeah you have yeah others or oh there was um this was recently two did you guys see the it was like at black rocks new york headquarters um what was the group have it here uh new york communities for change um they basically like blocked the building like all these escalators and like threw a bunch of coal everywhere and that were like you know black rock funds fossil fuels and um yeah it was just like a really cool 
display, you know, caught a lot of attention. And I, I, I think they, yeah, they like blocked it. So they, they were arrested in the, in the process. But I thought that that was um, really good because they're, they're calling for a direct action. They're saying divest and they're calling out BlackRock yeah. and they're saying, hey, you're responsible for the climate crisis. And then, you know, they're, they're causing the media to show up. And it's mm. also like an, an artistic scene almost too with like yeah. the yeah and maybe that it I, seems I similar to what like an extinction rebellion yeah. i would love would if be. that was the way it would happen fast that things yeah. like that would happen all over to where change would happen um i'm still concerned personally that that's not going to make things fast enough yeah and the other thing with the civil disobedience with the roadblocks is um it's a sign of societal collapse. That's like one of the warning signs to where, you know, life business as usual, it can't keep going. Things are gonna go belly up. So these are the first signs that both, I think, activists do that. And then look at like January 6th, yeah. what happened. So our society is definitely undergoing changes to where people feel more threatened and feel like drastic actions are warranted. Um, so you think these, like, you think roadblocking is the, is, is the best action that, that people mm, could do or no, I don't want to, I don't know what the best action is. The best, the best, the most, no, the most disruptive, the better. Well, <laughs> here, here's the thing. We can either get gradual change through grassroots actions, which is much nicer. I would much rather do that. That's kind of what I've been doing my whole life, just, you know, riding my bike, making my own compost, having my garden. And then a person might see that and go like, oh, I'm going to do that too. That's not fast enough. Hasn't yeah. been fast enough. Um, so ideally, we'd get top-down change. And for that, we need to force the government's hand. And I think for that, that is what those roadblock people are trying to do. To, and... In my mind, it's like, it's this, you know, groping around in the dark, trying for the best solution, whether it works or not, I don't know. Yes, it pisses people off for sure. But I think at this point, it's worth trying. And to me, it's like, I don't care what does it. Those people who feel called to do the civil disobedience, do roadblocks, I'm like, go for it. Yeah. Personally, I'm conflicted. I will help them if they ask me for help, and I have. Yeah. Um, because I'm like, what better solution do I have? And I don't. And especially looking at like what we have here in Vancouver, I wouldn't know where to do like a directed action, who to direct it at, because everybody's, it seems like, is working really hard and trying to do the right thing. So you need to like find, like you were saying, find a plausible cause and say, okay, this is what needs to happen. And, yeah. Try and push for that. Maybe we need to go across the river and tell Ted Wheeler what's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this gets down to like, yeah, like the, the traditional ways of making change are clearly not working and obviously aren't going to work like in this time frame. Like we're not going to vote in a good Congress member every two years or a senator every six years. And like eventually there's going to, with all the, you know, all the uphill battle that is for an honest person to even get in the office, you know, and then, you know, we have an unpopular president right now. We have half of the country that are, you know, support Republicans. Republicans are essentially still all denying climate change right now. Um, like, we're not going to get action by those traditional means. So I, I do feel like, yeah, like the, the moment calls for it. Um, and especially with declaring a climate emergency, that's that's something Biden can do once again with the flick of a pen. Um, what does declaring a climate emergency allow him to do? If he, I know it unleashes like funding and allows him to do all kinds of things, but do you know what the all that is or no? What's that act he, called? He could stop. Isn't there the, the Emergency Powers Act? Yeah. Dang, I should pull up my <laughs> my um, my my final for one of my classes because that's what we did. But. Um, yeah, he could stop leasing on federal lands. Uh, he could halt like investments in um, foreign fossil fuel. All kinds um, of stuff. Yeah, and 
Pretty there was much. a third one that was that was pretty big as well. Like just bypass um, Congress and do what needs to be done, essentially. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I don't know, like if it, I don't know if it'd be Green New Deal worthy level, but yeah. like it'd be. It Something. seems like the yeah it, the next like rational step, and then like um, oh we didn't talk about this on the podcast, but um, there was another Yale Climate Communication Survey that said that people do support. Uh, declaring climate emergency in the united states mm. so like the people are behind it he could be like i was elected on this the young people yeah. got me in office like i have every mandate needed to do this every president has um declared multiple emergencies a lot of them we don't hear about because it's like sanctions on <laughs> you know on countries we Some don't like or whatever yeah. yeah yeah or uh you know trump declaring a emergency at the southern border and all that so yeah so um, but i think if biden did declare this in theory he could use it like to impose the same measures as he would have to on the country if we were at war yeah like down to rationing and you know which people forget that we rationed like these are things yeah that people right and we're, we're and the too. Yeah. problem is that it's not so easy to point with climate change it's like this thing that we know it's coming, but it's kind of diffused. There's multiple yeah. factors that feed into it. So it's, I think it's harder for a president to say, no, this is the enemy. And in order to mm -hmm. defeat this, we must, you know, ration. We must cease all air travel. We, you know, shut down those pipelines. But yeah, I think anything short of that is going to fall short. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, also don't really understand all the ways climate change like we talked about like was it just last week that all the ways it's already impacting you it's impacting mm. like people that are concerned about inflation guess what a lot of that is climate change disrupting our food system like you yep. talked about a lot of it is eh, there's just so many different ways wildfires and health and pollution that's impacting your kids why are they so asthmatic now why are they like all the ways and nobody knows they just think oh it's just a little bit warmer you know like, yeah that'll be fine we have a nice warm summer yeah they want to be more like california it'll be great mm. and instead of recognizing like it's already impacting you and how and so i think that education piece is missing and i wish there was a way to combine mm. an action that gets attention with like guess what like this is i don't know if that's possible mm. but that's a huge piece that's missing and our media is owned by you know giant corporations that don't have any interest in doing any of that educating but that's one of the i guess my yeah so my that, struggles <laughs> that part of me makes me think that's why maybe top-down action isn't going to work because at least this country here is so divided yeah and if we could just be better at communicating with our communities and yeah. with those around us and just be like hey you know what do you want out of your life oh you want to be happy, healthy, not afraid. Yeah. Guess what? I want that too. <laughs> and then just be like, okay, how do we go about that? And then if you can kind of build some trust with like everyone, regardless of their political spectrum, then you can start yeah. acting and just seeing um, yeah, what can be done. I read this really interesting book. It's by a Christian... Is she a minister? But she's also a climate scientist. Her name is Catherine Hayhoe. Catherine Hayhoe is oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so that book... Keep her TED Talk. It's incredible. She's yeah. an amazing communicator. I just yeah. read that book. It's called Saving Us. How to, you know, communicate pretty much. She's like, you know, if we don't talk to each other, we're not going to work together to solve things. So she very much talks about just, you know, what... You know, what examples do you use? What's your common ground? What sources does the person you talk to trust? And what don't they trust? And, but yeah. Yeah. She's a great resource. Mm. Yeah. There, here's another little note I took for me. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was part of the Extinction Rebellion, just education. But I think it's for those who don't like breaking the rules or upsetting the apple cart, which includes me. So... The way our society works is that there's those rules and if we follow the rules, the government or society or whoever is going to keep us safe, government, I guess. Citizens follow the rules, government's going to do their job, keep you safe. Well, guess what? The government is no longer keeping us safe. Yeah. So that contract's been broken. Mm -hmm. So that's where the nonviolent civil disobedience comes in. It's like, no, I will break these rules and I will break them 
purposefully because you broke that contract. You are not protecting me. You're killing my, my future, my children's future. Yeah, and it's justified yeah, at this point. Even though it is unpopular. But I have a very good friend whom you all know too, Monica. Yeah. She... Mm-hmm sat in the road, got herself yelled at and everything. She is also seven, a person of color. Yeah, but seven months pregnant. She's like, mm-hmm. how will I look my baby in the eye when he's born? The, yeah. To say I haven't even tried. So she got four days in jail with a one-month-old at home at the time. So she had the baby by the time their court date came up. They just right out of the courtroom into jail. She was so mad. And, I mean, everybody was mad. Um pretty cruel for a it new is. mother. So yeah. it's that disproportionate punishment that climate activists are getting. I think you were asking at some point, Carissa, whether, you know, climate activists should be punished. And I think they should because they knowingly break the law. But just that disproportionate punishment. Yeah. There's an activist. They're making examples out of people. Now. Yeah. There's an activist in um, Australia. Her name is Violet Coco and she's with Fireproof Australia which is very aptly named considering their whole country burnt down a couple of years back. So she blocked one lane of traffic on Sydney Harbour Bridge for like 25 minutes before the police came and took her. Just one lane, not the whole bridge. Yeah, just one lane. They did not take the whole bridge. So it was just a major public inconvenience. And also I think what people tend to forget, we get traffic jams and delays all the time for a lot of different reasons. But anyway, so for that, she got sentenced to 15 months in jail. And, uh, and with that, there's like UN people, human rights people looking up and going like, oh, this is not okay. Yeah. So yeah, something is definitely going on. Like governments know and they willingly. They know there's going to be more of this. And, yeah. yeah, and so they're trying to squish it. And, and, that's a, and to me, that's a sign that they're actively not wanting to change. And for me, that's a sign that we need to continue with the disobedience So, until they do act. Yeah. And if, I mean, right now for climate emergency, the biggest and most civil disobedience that's going is declare emergency, I think. Yeah. And I would say if anyone has it in them, or if anyone has like a real badass grandparent who has it in them to just go and be arrested. Since this podcast is about the civil disobedience and yeah. not about how are we nice to everyone. And <laughs> yeah, even though that's, I agree, the preferred thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I know that Declare Emergency, um, they will cover some costs for travel and stuff like that mm-hmm. for, for yeah. people if they need it. Yeah, they um, have limited funding. So for their arrestables, they will give anything, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. But yet they can use any help they can get. Um, yeah, because, so don't let, you know, your financial situation necessarily yeah. get in the way, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and they're okay. doing, like, weekly recruitment calls to where you can just meet people, talk with them. I think they have, as of new, started also calls where people can just kind of share how they're feeling how how they're doing with the prospect of it to just really make it so that whoever is called to that direction has the support there's one other thing that you can do if you're to get attention yeah whatever you can do it gets more attention if you do it naked (laughs) totally that's kind of that was kind (laughs) of um that was remember when she joined us for the the snail action (laughs) She like wore you were there, Cindy. She wore like a fucking like a bikini top and and some harem pants, basically naked with like a sun hat on or whatever. And and she's like, "Wow, I thought we're trying to get attention." We're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you're right. Get your naked, your naked, financially secure grandparent to go get (laughs) it. That's what we need. Yeah, but also naked Dians. I'm a big fan of naked Dians, to or partially naked. Um, because and what are can, those for people that don't know what that is? That's a dian. Oh, yay! That's so. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that is one of my other favorite forms of 
just disrupting business as usual. So a die-in is pretty much, it's kind of like a flash mob almost, where people will just drop on the ground and pretend they're dead for a set amount of time. And there might be people who do speeches with it. There's sometimes where they correlate that with the Red Rebel Brigade, so they're there all sad about the people that are there. Um, we did a really cool action, again, when XR was still going stronger in Portland. We went to the farmer's market and we, we, we were kind of decent about it. We had undies and pasties on and then we just had fake oil dripping from our hands and we just walked like that, five of us, through the farmer's market <laughs> and shit. we had the raging yeah. grannies to support us so they were all tagging behind and they had written a funeral dirge that they were singing and we got so much attention yeah. without really upsetting people because it was just like whoa what is this yeah again with art yeah with art and just with not business as usual yeah in dc i did a naked a one person naked die in where I don't know, it was cold, it was below freezing, and oh I just... No. <laughs> One person, it was just you? It was just me. It was like, because again, if you just stand there with signs or clipboards, people will ignore you. If you lay there naked with fake oil poured all over you, people will look. <laughs> and shit. if it's really cold, people will look some more. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I think creativity is really important with this too. You know, if you're not feeling called to just sit in, in the road, you know, think about what are you prepared to do? What tickles your fancy? What can you do? I mean, I There's don't know. a lot of room for creativity with these yeah. kind of actions. Yeah. I'm sure at least one person who's listening right now has seen my car. It's pink <laughs> and it's got Extinction Rebellion logos on it. And it says it's your right, it's your duty, rebel. And it's just like, you know, get off your ass, do something. Whether you're sitting in the street or not, I don't really care. Hey guys, it's Carissa here for an afterword about a few things we talked about on the podcast. Um, we just thought we should let you guys know a few more specifics about um, the effect of the federal government declaring a climate emergency. So some of the huge actions that Biden could take through this Emergency Powers Act would be to halt all crude oil exports equal to shuttering 42 coal plants, um, stopping oil and gas drilling in the outer continental shelf, which would stop extraction in over 11 million acres of federal waters. Um, restricting international trade and private investments in fossil fuels, which would stop hundreds of billions of fossil fuel investments. Um, those investments could then go into the clean energy transition here at home and generate millions of good-paying jobs, which obviously would be a political winner and hard for naysayers to come out against. So there's that. We also just wanted to bring up um, a couple of the groups that we discussed in the podcast. So uh, Tina has done work with both Extinction Rebellion and declare emergency. Extinction Rebellion has a Portland chapter that you can get hooked up with. We currently do not have a Vancouver chapter. Um, declare emergency is the the group that does the road blocking for the most part um, actions in DC. Um, so they both have websites we're going to have in the show notes for you. Um, other than that, if anybody wants to get together to do a some kind of creative action uh you know whether it rises to the level of civil, civil disobedience or it's a a visual stunt um tina is so great at making these amazing artistic props which we're also going to include um on our social media posts um so yeah uh let us know if you guys have any ideas if you want to get involved in anything like that because it would be super 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 fucking cool um to do something like that here in Vancouver, and um, I have a couple ideas for uh, what kind of demands we can make and where. So uh, what kind of creative action could we pair with a demand for the Clark County Council, for example, to adopt a climate action framework like the cities? Uh, what kind of corporate entities funding or promoting fossil fuels in Vancouver could we draw attention to? So those are just a, a couple things um, to get anybody started. And uh, yeah, let us know, leave comments. Um, as usual and 
please uh, share, rate, like, and review. This was a great episode. These are crazy times. Let's get to work soon. Stay safe, everyone, and happy holidays. Happy holidays.